welcome welcome back to the episode part of this episode everyone this is uh exo friends the exo squad podcast on the elder millennial network i am dave hoyt and today i'm joined by avon pashami uh and lexi de Kerning. the and I, it's the cat in the background I, I say I say today as if I'm not joined by them every time, um, <laughs> the, but the, it's good to have them here as always. We also have uh, parents from our cat Squeetus who is meowing in the background, and they have some commentary the, to add in. I, for one, welcome our fuzzy overlord. Indeed, you are yes. our fuzzy overlord, aren't you, Tiny Bean? <laughs> um, so today we're covering episode eleven of the series, "Into the Heart of Darkness," part two, "The Brood." Did I? Yeah, that's the one. Yep, it's yeah. the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's weird because it like it's called the brood, but like that's not really what the episode focuses on. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Ultimately, it, it, it Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to change directions a little bit so so say what you were going to say. I was going I was going to say I was going to say like the 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 title is misleading as to what the episode really focuses on. And actually, because of that because it's been so long since I've watched this series the whole way through, I forgot this is, like, my favorite episode of the series. Hmm. This is definitely, uh, I think, like, top top five for sure um, for me. This is, a, it's just drama, the action. I remember watching this as a kid and, like, you know, uh, as we'll talk about, kind of watching the, the space battle that's the, sort of the, the centerpiece of this episode unfold and, like, being on the edge of my seat, like, what's happening? Oh, my gosh, is this how this is going to unfold? In my mind, actually, when we when we rewatched this this summer in its entirety, I in my mind as a kid, like this just felt like it it unfolded over so much more time that I was like mm-hmm. shocked that it was like oh it's like a two episode span and we're already to like the the climactic space battle of the first season. And it was just like oh wow like because it for me as a kid it just this like it was this like vast epic tale across these two episodes that is like in reality like 40 minutes isn't that all it's like oh, okay well that was quick but it's still magnificent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um well the episode the episode opens on able squad uh running away after they blew up that facility full of material to make more neo sapiens and they're fleeing through a mar uh, canyon on mars uh the marsh turned like looks at the situation and turns around and says, we have to fight here. We're not going to be able to outrun them. And so Able Squad turns around and just starts like kind of murder holing the Neo Sapiens chasing them. They're like, you got to come through this canyon to get to us and you're going to pay for every single step. And they just unload on those Neo Sapiens that are chasing them. Yeah. Uh, Is this when the, those like rocks fall down? into like a kind of um <laughs> like passageway and then like one of the neo sapien um like exoframes whatever they're coming through and they just like trip with their toe on one of the rocks yes. and like whoop, <laughs> fall over and explodes it's like what is this neo what is this frame made out of well they can't they can't all be they can't all be expert pilots i guess yeah <laughs> uh, it's just it's it's not only that he trips so it's like he trips somehow in this thing that's flying first off so it's like you would think like it's thrusters or whatever would stabilize it, but he trips eats it and then explodes <laughs> it's just like what were you carrying in that's there that's the best part it's 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 that it's that thing that happens when jt shoots with his tiny little hand blaster and blows up a two-story tall e-frame just that right spot (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
but during the scene, like JT flies up in the air to see what's going on. And after, after they deal with the one, as they're dealing with the ones in the Canyon, he sees this other Neo Sapien facility and E-frames just come pouring out of it. And he's like, forget fighting. We got to run again. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> we got to go. Yeah. Uh, and, Bro- and Brodsky leaves a little like tiny bitty, bitty mine, but kills like four Neo Sapiens. Like, <laughs> And they hide in a cave, which I guess, you know, you got nowhere else to hide. Um, and yeah, it's Mars, right? It's just full of caves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe we'll get these rovers back and we'll find a whole bunch of caves and uh, discover like ancient cave paintings in it. And all of a sudden, you know, human beings came from Mars, everyone. That's how it worked. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that's why, um, that's why we, uh, What's his face? Elon Musk wants to go back there because we have an evolutionary evolutionary imperative to return from where we came from. Maybe. There you go. Or he also, does because he's a weird alien. Um, he's, def- he's definitely an alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, so so after this after this scene, we cut back to the fleet, and Marcus is addressing the fleet uh, after his mutiny to tell them that. We're going to attack Earth right now. And everyone in the fleet seems like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's get out there. Um, <laughs> it, 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 to me, to me, I'm mean, like, man, Winfield, you didn't do a good job at conveying to everyone why you were actually sitting back and building up your fleet. Like, I, yeah. think, I think maybe you could have just put out like a flyer to be like, yeah, they have three times as many ships as we do. And probably more. We right. can't just we can't just throw ourselves into a meat grinder, people. How does well, and that's like how does no one? Because it seems like a surprise. Like you know, it's it's looking a little bit ahead in the episode, but it seems like a surprise when like they get to the battle, and Winfield's like, or Marcus is like, oh, there's the Mars fleet. Also, shit, we're like grossly outnumbered. It's like, how did you not know that there was like two fleets? You know, it's just yeah, like, how how did you realistically think like, oh yeah, our like tiny little like battered fleet is going to be able to roll out here and really just take on this like massive neo sapien war machine that we know exists? It, maybe maybe he was like, well, we uh, we used the gra- the graph shield, crushed all of those people in Venus. The that's that was all they had, right? No, sir, no, <laughs> no, that was one of three planetary fleets. Oops. Which had they, I feel like if they did have, if they still had their Venus fleet, they would have completely surrounded the Exo fleet and they wouldn't have been able to get away at all. Yeah. Like, wouldn't have been the end of the show. Yeah. No, <laughs> the end. <laughs> like, well, humanity's done for. Oops. Yeah. Um, Takagi, Takagi is in the brig with all the people who stood up to Marcus. Uh, Maggie is there. And there's <laughs> like. There's some amazing hair in there, also. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I actually, I actually started to notice that, like, a lot of these faces in the background. If you go to like the first few episodes of the Pirates, they're they're the same people that you saw in those episodes. That's awesome. Well, that's awesome. They're just like keep, yeah. keep showing the same. Yeah, because I was noticing there's like some remarkable consistency in the jail cell because there's like three different scenes that take place in that jail cell, and there's like one guy who has just like he's like, he looks. It's just amazing how the show just sort of foretold like early 2000s, like circa like maybe 2003 to 2009, like hipster look 
because um, there's a guy with like just like a droopy handlebar mustache and like yes. curly blonde. Yeah, and you see him in a bunch of scenes. He's like a featured extra. It's great. He, he if if this show was made today, he would be the guy that they like make like a YouTube like webisode series to promote the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> His, yes. his name would be like his name would be like Randall McFeely or something, and he he would have the most interesting story arc of the entire series. Right. And like he would have like a vegan cooking show on YouTube or something like that. Yes, from his like apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> a, a vegan cooking show with a name like Randall Flats. <laughs> you know, yes. Randall Flats. Well, it's entirely about making pancakes. Um, it's gonna show you three new recipes for your vitamin b shot that's right mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it, there's this weird exchange between tagagi and maggie where like he he's happy to see her and she's happy to see him and he completely misreads it he's like oh yeah we're gonna make out now and she's like no <laughs> no <laughs> what is she she's like don't get any ideas kid <laughs> yeah she's like that's that's not what's going on here <laughs> First off, you're like 18. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like it was the 90s, and maybe things are better now. Maybe they're not, depending on where you're at and the kind of people you hang out with. But, like, you know, a woman showing mild interest or, like, appreciation for you does not equal no. sexual attraction. <laughs> maybe that was just something that needed to be spelled out in that moment. Listen, uh, she, she said hello to me. She obviously wants to make out. <laughs> <laughs> And now I'm, I've just made myself sad because I definitely remember being like that. Uh. Uh, well, you know, when you're younger. <laughs> yeah. It was a different, I mean, it's like, it's kind of funny looking back in the 90s. It's like, man, we were kind of stone-aged back then. Just <laughs> like oh, a bunch we of Cro-Magnons wandering around being awful. Yeah. Like, uh. you know, 30, 38-year-old me wants to slap the shit out of 16-year-old me. <laughs> Stop. Well, being like this. but look at the world we lived in i mean like you go back and you watch like any any piece of culture from the 90s and it's like i think like like literally every one of them is just like ew gross he's gay like that's right. like everything in the it's, yeah. that's that was like the crux of 90s culture was like that like oh weird that he likes men yeah e- even even like even shows that were kind of progress were really progressive for the time were just they still had that underpinning of like the worst thing that I as a man could ever be considered is gay. Yeah, yeah, just like gay panic and like and you know like there's all kinds of you know we went back and we watched like Arrested Development a few years ago and there's like mm-hmm. a bunch of like you know stuff that's just kind of about like you know like Mexican immigrants and like there's it's just mm-hmm. the, you know the culture was pretty rotten you know i don't want to be like i'm not one of these people that's like believes like capital p progress um but it's like we have kind of come a bit of a way maybe not a long way but go back and rewatch some 90s media and it's like appalling rewatch yeah, friends the- like oh, i'd have to watch it for <laughs> oh, the first time God. but yeah oh my god <laughs> oh i don't i don't doubt it and it was one of the better shows mm-hmm. uh but i mean that kind of goes to show though also how you know, Exo Squad, even for a kids' show, I think was actually doing some stuff really well. And mm-hmm. it's like these little moments, um, you know, we're like joking about it, but like this kind of moment where she's like, okay, yeah, don't get any ideas. Like, <laughs> just because I'm making eye contact and like, I'm excited to see you uh, in the brig here, but you know, that doesn't mean we're like a thing. Um, and so, like, in a subtle way, I think this show was actually, yeah, doing something really interesting with the kind of 
gender dynamics between the characters because they are in these what do you call it, mixed gender squads. Um, and there is romantic attraction between some of the characters, but it's not always, I don't know, it's not as like goofy as it could be for a kid's show, right? right. It's, it's, not, it's not always clear cut. It's like, yeah. it's like, okay, we work together. Should I be, should like, you know, you see characters wrestling with that. They're like, should I be attracted and with someone in my squad? Mm, I don't know. It could lead to bad things. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's like, I mean, there's like romantic tensions that are never realized across the show and like hints and suggestions. There's only one like really kind of out in the open romance that, that occurs with the members of Exo Squad and, I guess like there's a bit with Bronski later on too, which is great. Um, like Bronski falling in I love feel... is like one of my favorite story arcs. But oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. No, that's a really good one. Uh, that's like late. People, yeah, it's it's later in season two, but it's yeah. really good. It's really good. Yeah. Um, but it's not like it's not that... the characters like love interests and sexuality are not like a centerpiece to either the story or their development, which is one of the things that yeah. I really like. Like that's fun. I like romance is fine, but. Too often, it like it's used as like the the kind of key plot device, and this show yeah. is even it's even in kids shows, and like this show is really good at just like you know it's like this is a thing these people are humans they have desires and interests and like can fall in love with each other, but at the same time they're also like three dimensional. The women in, included are three dimensional human beings with their own like you know Maggie is a technician who happens to fall in love with one of the other members of the squad, not you know Maggie is like the love interest of another member of the squad. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, uh, on the on the flip side of that, I'll just, I just wanted to briefly touch on it. the The guys aren't super shitty about it either. Yeah, like they're not like constantly getting jealous of each other and treating the women like property, which for the time I think was pretty good. But no, but we could talk about that more later. I think um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah. So to cut. <laughs> Tukaki immediately tries to make out with Maggie, like we said, and she's like, "No," <laughs> but then, then uh, they they begin pl- trying to make a plan of what to do with Winfield, and Winfield's like, "What are you gonna do? Like, yeah. we've lost. We're all here in this jail cell. We can't get out, and he's got the fleet support. Like, the best thing you might be able to do, and it comes up later." is make the decision of whether or not you want to be a part of this now because it might be your only choice that you get to make. Yeah. Um and we go to we go to Phaeton in the Martian White House, which is way cooler than the regular White House. <laughs> Much cooler. Yeah. And is it is it a is it a literal White House somewhere on Mars? We never really see the outside of it. Yeah, I I don't yeah, we really that's, don't. No, we don't. Yeah, that's what I was wondering because you don't see the outside, and I was like, "Oh, is this like the real White House where on TV it looks really big and amazing and imposing, and then you go there in person, you're like, it's so tiny." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> How do you fit all those people in there that they're always in there on TV? Like, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> Having been to DC, I like. Well, I don't know. It was kind of like, a, really? That's that's it. That's that's the White House. <laughs> So I don't know. I was I was kind of having the same thought about uh, Phaeton's Martian White House, but maybe Phaeton is you know aware of the limitations of the human White House and has decided to make his genuinely huge and imposing. Also, considering how big they are and the fact that he wears his E-frame inside the White House, like he probably does have a big ass builder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
uh, the reason why we're here, though, is he he's getting a uh, he's getting a update about the exofleet and that they're just flying straight at them. And he's like, "Really? That's great." <laughs> uh, and the guy who gives him the update gives a really uncomfortable salute. <laughs> Yeah, it it looks like a Z yeah. right? Like yeah. it's just say it's it's like a Nazi salute. It's it's as close to a Nazi salute as that maybe a Neo Sapien can give. Like I don't think they can straighten their fingers completely. Right. He's doing his best to like he's like oh, maybe like he like saw Triumph of the Will on like some old like vid screen or something and he's just like, Oh, maybe that's how we should be addressing our our leader who is very obviously space Hitler. My grand leader will appreciate this, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Um uh, and if Typhonus comes in to tell him about what's going on with this squad that's on Mars, Phaeton's like, why the fuck do I care about that now? And he burns the letter, which, like, does do his little hand knives, are they, all, like, can he heat them up on command? Can he, like, punch through metal with them? I think he can, actually. Probably. Uh, we just, I think we again, see that at some point. Yeah, his E-frame is one of the coolest and most dangerous-looking E-frames in the show, I, yes. I've always thought. Yes. Um, I always kind of thought, though, that it was, like, because he's got those, like, lasers underneath the little, like, finger spikes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just assumed it was, like, a bit of heat from that that oh, maybe, scores yeah. the paper, but <laughs> either way. I was also I mean, thinking... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was also thinking how cool would it be if one of those nozzles was a flamethrower? That would be pretty sweet. There, that's one thing the show's definitely missing is more like flamethrowers on e-frames yeah <laughs> i guess i guess like maybe a flamethrower isn't a super effective weapon against an e-frame but it still would like i think that they would have that in some cases yeah i mean anti-personnel uh, weapon like it's it definitely would work yeah. on infantry it would work on jump troops yeah and you see neo-sapien infantry a lot they're doing all that fighting in buildings too like it'd be great if you could just like you know fill a room with fire Scores all the Neo Sapiens inside. And so, maybe, uh, the, so maybe the animators just didn't want to have to animate people burning to death. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that might have been a little enough, too dark. I mean, for a show that gets yeah. pretty dark, that might have been a little too much. Enough, but enough gushing over one of the most terrible weapons that mankind has ever created. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but yeah, though. yeah. Oh. Duh. That we we see now we go back to Able Squad and Dalian and Mars or Dalian and Marcel are watching from the cave, and they see because Phaeton told Typhonus to bring everyone back for this fight against the Exofleet. You see the peop- the E frames pursuing Able Squad turn around and leave, and they're like, "Well, where are they going?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, they're so they're hiding in this cave and they're attempting to fix their E frames. They're in really bad shape. And JT is like, well, we can't get in touch with the the IO moon base or exofleet, so really the only thing we can do here is sit in this cave and wait to starve, and Brodsky hates that plan. Um, <laughs> or we can uh, use you know our what resources we have to try and slow down Phaeton's plan to make so many Neo-Sapiens. And Marsala is kind of horrified at this plan. He's like, you know, I already went through this just a few minutes ago, maybe an hour or two ago, destroying that facility, and now you want to cause even more damage to my race? Uh, he, he he continues to be tested. Um, yeah, his his face when JT says that is 
like there's a shot of Marsala's face looking really shocked and horrified. And the the contrast then of the next shot, which is like a group shot of all the humans, the Terrans, I guess, um, is like they're all like, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's <laughs> do it. Right. Aside, basically, and like they just no one even notices that Marsala is horrified by this idea. Like, right. I don't know. I mean, it's it's really subtle, but there's some interesting commentary there that like no one seems to notice or give a shit, and everyone's just like, yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I'm trying to think of like what would the equivalent be of what they're doing to these brooding facilities to people like bombing <laughs> let's go bomb a children's hospital it's, it's yeah like, like it's like burning down a maternity ward like, right <laughs> right I, it's it's because it's interesting that the title um of this this series too it's called into the heart of darkness also mm. uh which makes you think of the Con- joseph Con- is it joseph conrad novel um it was joseph conrad right yes, yeah yeah um it makes me think of that novel and this like this story of these like colonialist people you know colonialist brits making this deep this journey into the, the so-called heart of darkness in africa and the novel plays with the notion of like what darkness means and the colonial project and stuff it's it's it, it, it's got strong anti-colonial energy if you will since energy seems yeah. to be the word of the day um and like <laughs> There's something here, I think, I don't know, maybe, because there's, there's a lot of, like, literary references. Obviously, somebody has, like, a classics or a lit degree or something in the writing staff, and it just feels like there's, like, this connection to this notion of, you know, here is this, I mean, they are colonialists, right? This is that they are the colonial empire. Yes, the Neo-Sapiens have taken over and everything, but it's humans that were doing the enslavement and the resource extraction, and it's very mm-hmm. reminiscent of colonialism. And then here's this journey into the so-called heart of darkness in Mars, which is, like, the Neo-Sapien homeland like it's these people's home uh and then yeah to do what to like exterminate millions of children yeah like i guess neocedians don't really have children but like it's still like you are you are preventing the procreation of a race Mm -hmm. that that is that is genocide right 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 and it's like there's a certain necessitating you know, our overarching necessity to it in the sense that, like, okay, if they have, if they get enough people, they don't need humans anymore, and that would facilitate a genocide. So it becomes this really icky moral situation, but the fact of the matter, what makes it so poignant, I think, is, like, for Marsala, this is a difficult moral decision or something that, like, he's horrified about, even if he's going to eventually, potentially maybe follow through with this. But everybody else is like, yeah, that's a great idea. Awesome. JT, high five. Like, let's go fucking kill these people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's the reactions that say a lot about where the heart of darkness might actually lie. Right, right. This episode. Which is where it's like this, like, very kind of, I feel like, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but that reference to Conrad's novel, it just, mm. it's, man, it's really, I love it. I like to think the writers were thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> when- there's, there's no friends. way they weren't <laughs> right which is amazing because right. it's like they're like you know no 11 year old kid is going to a red heart of darkness but you know when they return to this show 25 years later having completed a literature degree in red heart of darkness they'll be like ah nice job guys it's gonna make a whole lot more sense <laughs> oh i get it now yeah uh, i mean but for real it was like because we're watching it today i was like oh heart of darkness and then i'm thinking about the novel and then like as this all unfolds it's mm-hmm. just Great writing, excellent composition. Uh, we, we go back yeah, at this point. We go back to Ma- 
Exofleet and Marcus goes to the brig to convince all of the prisoners there to help him because you know he they don't have a choice that they either sit they either sit in prison and not be part of liberating the Terran homeworld or the Terran worlds or they uh, get out there and and fight uh, and Ma- Maggie kind of uh, convinces Kaz that they need to and this is where I uh, brought up uh, the people in the background we see some familiar faces the two that stick out are the mustache guy that you talked about earlier R- Randall McFeely who's now that's his in canon name in my head and sunglasses lady <laughs> I don't have a name for her yet um, is she you- the one with the red hair yeah she has like she has shame. like red hair that's kind of sticking up in the air and she has the like I don't know how to describe them except like cyberpunk face shield sunglasses. All right, I'm gonna have to go back and look. For yeah, we need. We, we should get some screen caps. Yeah. yeah. Um. And at this at this point, like I've kind of been wondering, does Marcus know that Kaz and Maggie are part of Able Squad? He has to, right? I assumed he did. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he would. I think he would. Which, you know, I'm thinking like it just it just leads leads me down to to some questions. Like, would he trust them, or does he think that he's so absolutely taken over that they have no choice? I think um, I think it's that, and I think there's an appeal here because like he is an insane egomaniac, yeah. um, yeah. and I think that there's like a, a sense because he talks about he's like you know like are you going to give me your loyalty or something? He says something to that effect during the speech. And it's like, you know, like he's at, you have no choice. Like, either you can sit here or you can join us and help him. We need you, but are you going to give me your loyalty? And it's like a sense of, like, he has, you know, because of, in his own mind, his own cleverness and his own, like, strength of will and whatever else, you know, his own will to power, whatever you want to call it, has, like, managed to seize control of the extra fleet. He's going to go liberate humanity. And, like, the final kind of, like, cherry on top is that even these people who opposed him, even some members of the hated Able Squad, are going to turn around and like now join me because like I have, I have arranged my universe such that they have no other alternative because I'm so powerful. So just like thinking as you're talking, Kayvon, to bring this back to a little bit of literary theory, I guess you could call it like the, I think the Greek term for this in like ancient Greek tragedy was hamartia, which is like a character's fatal flaw. Mm. Um, that is the cause of their downfall. So it's actually interesting because like Marcus and Phaeton seem to have very similar like fatal flaws, which is that they are both so self-assured of their mission or so self-assured of like their position mm-hmm. and what they're doing. They don't consider, they don't consider that they could fail. Right. And like, right. as we will see in this episode, <laughs> yeah, Marcus is like hubris actually um, would be the term for it. Like that's just complete like self-assuredness, egomania, is really what leads to his downfall. Yeah. Um, that's kind of interesting as well, like from a writing perspective. Yeah, I like that. I like the juxtaposition of him with Phaeton. He's like, you know, it's like Phaeton, destiny is his like motivating concept and word, right? You know, he even says destiny a bunch of things. He's like, oh, now with the crushing of the human fleet or the, the Terran fleet, you know, like they, our destiny will be fulfilled. And he really means my destiny is what he's, when he's saying that. Like, it's, yeah. it's the royal yeah. our, royal we that he uses. But, and that's, and Marcus is exactly the same way, right? He's just, 
this is, of course, his destiny is to lead the salvation of humanity or Karen's or whatever. Yeah, and then he fucks it all up. Because yeah, he just can't conceive <laughs> of being wrong. Alternate, right. hi- alternate history. Marcus is right. He actually wins this fight. Do you think at the end of it, would he relinquish power? No. No, or, he just becomes the dictator. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, I think Phaeton? that's what would happen if he, if he, if he somehow managed to defeat Phaeton in this upcoming battle with the whole Neo Sapien fleet uh, empire. At the end of it, I don't think there would be a UN. I think it would be King Marcus. Yeah, it'd be a military dictatorship, one hundred percent. And he would like he would call himself admiral or something or supreme commander. But yeah, mm-hmm. he would basically be a king, absolutely. And would probably do a full genocide of the Neo Sapiens. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, exterminate them down the way, like every last one of them. Yeah. Um, well, Winfield, it, as as he's trying to convince him, Winfield tells everyone, he's like, you know, I think you should help Marcus because it's the only choice we have. You, yeah. you, uh, if we, if he doesn't have our support, he's going to be lacking in numbers even more so than he is now, and there's no way we can possibly win. Right. And um, you know it's it's the question is it the right choice or the only choice and it's the only choice, um, which in this moment is the right choice, right? Yeah. Like only the only other choice is to do nothing, in which case you're going to die anyway. So you might as well, you know, suck it up and like live to see another day. Yep. Uh, and we immediately jump to the two, the Neo Sapiens converging on the Exo fleet. Um, the, the earth fleet comes from one direction and the Mars fleet comes from another. And like we were saying before, if the, if the Venusian fleet was, had survived the graph shield fiasco, they would have been surrounded completely. Um, but, but, and like, you almost see this hint of, oh shit, I fucked up in Marcus's face when he sees both the fleets. It's like, oh Oh no 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 we're not. Well, I guess we got to fight <laughs> straight straightforward, um, and the battle starts. And like that's most of the episode from this point is pew pew lasers, just fun fun fighting uh, the whole way around. Um, it's really funny to me during these scenes when like Kaz Kaz is in a fighter, so you expect it to be kind of rigid, but Maggie's suit is much more rigid than any other e-frame and so when she gets blown around it just looks like someone's taking that model and spinning it on the background (laughs) 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 because her leg like the legs of her frame can't bend right (laughs) um kids know how to play with the toy and you just like spin maggie maggie around you know yeah exo squad toys like Uh, the the and they begin to lose almost immediately because they're so vastly outnumbered. Uh, and you know we we see like the like most of the capital ships are being taken down. Uh, the Resolute is being just pounded by the laser fire from the other fleet. But the Resolute's really tough. Like it doesn't explode. It's just getting it's getting shot full of holes, and um. Marcus eventually says, "Well, okay, the abandoned ship, you know, get on, get on the lifeboats and get out of here." And at this point, yeah, I think there's there's a few things going through his mind. He's like, "Yes, 
okay, if I can't win, I finally found my glorious death. So it, people start getting on the uh, on the on the lifeboat with Winfield leading them, and we get to see that that Neo Sapien nurse. She's working overtime. She's like carrying <laughs> people to it. She's like, <laughs> she's like I'm seven, I'm seven and a half feet tall and stronger than everyone here. <laughs> getting everyone on like- that fucking boat. <laughs> I feel like Neo Sapien Nurse also kind of deserves her own like spin-off webisode. Yeah, 100%. Type show. Like I want to know her name, I want to know her story. How did she get into nursing? What is her gender identity because that is still a lingering question for me on this show. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, uh, okay. You could have like a like a night nurse comic but Neo Nurse, you know. That's what I was thinking. So, night nurse but it's Neo Nurse. So, exactly. Neo, so all all other important neo sapiens have like these liter like these uh, allusions in their name to liter literature and myth. What what's a what's a what's a good spin name for her? Oh. Like uh trying to think of like like a go- like a goddess of healing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't come up with any at the top of my head. Right. No, we're gonna Google it now. This is where I'm not a, I'm not a really strong uh, um, mythologist, really, when it comes, especially like Greek and Roman myth. But uh, it's so bad. It's so bad. My my, I can remember like all of the god names from like Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance. Right. But if you ask me for real world mythology, I'm like, uh, <laughs> Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean that goes to show how much uh, attention different gods get, though. Because I'm just—did you also just Google it, Cam? Yeah. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Asclepia. That would—that would be her name. The Greek, Greek goddess of medicine. Perfect. I love it. I'm, I'm here for I also it. Also, like the uh, the Celtic or Irish goddess is Brigid or Brigid. Ooh, that would, I don't that know would, how you pronounce. That it. could work. That could work. I was gonna say this goes to show how much uh, attention some gods get in relation to others. So, oh, and now of course I've just found like an entire <laughs> list of uh, health deities, yeah, from like all around the world in Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. That's the best. Oh man, there's so many good ones to pick from. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I guess these aren't women's names though. But Saint Damien and Saint Cosmos were twins, and they are the patron saints of like medicine and surgery. Um. So maybe, yeah, maybe she could have a, maybe she could have like a sidekick who's named Damien or Cosmos or something. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, anyways, Neo, Neo Nurse comic book series. That, Coming that's soon. Another, another, another on our list of absolute needs for any reboot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, you, so uh, the life, the lifeboat launches. Um, Kaz and Maggie are on the fringes of the battle now. They're just kind of hanging back, and she sees the Maggie sees the lifeboat and is like, "Okay, we gotta we gotta get that thing because it's not gonna make it out of there." And she has like this magnet rope thing, and Kaz makes the right decision and also shows off his excellent piloting skills by like catching that magnet thing with the wing of his exo fighter. And flying it to the lifeboat so that Maggie could tow it out. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we're going to get out of here. And Winfield's like, no, you have to go back and get Captain Marcus. And if I was Kaz, I'd be like, no. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> like, like, he, he doesn't he doesn't even have some like peripheral value. Like, why would you want to save him besides like some like 
like there's some really deep connection between the two of them that we're just not privy to. Like, like everything about him in the series so far is like, nah, man, let him, let him burn. Like he's done. It's just almost, it's like, it's kind of a terrible term to use, but it's almost like virtue signaling on the part of like Winfield. Just like, I want to show Marcus that I'm that much better of a man than him. But well, maybe there is a bit of that. Like, there's, like okay, we're going to get him back, and we're going to have a trial, and everyone's going to see, like, you can't do this shit. Well, it's also but, just uh, like, I'm the good guy here, and this is what's yeah. right, so I'm going to do what's right. It's almost like it's almost its own little bit of, like, ego display of, like, hey, young trooper under my command, risk your life to go save this, like, awful mutineer who's led us into this disaster. It, but Kaz relents. He's like, "Okay, I guess I'll go get him." Jeez. And this, this, this is this scene here is why it's mm. my favorite episode of the series. Yeah. Um, Kaz gets to like you see Marcus, and he's like, "I don't." He, he's either giving commands to a computer, or he has become delirious and is like yeah. saying the commands he's giving to the ship as he like punches them in to an imaginary crew yeah and i think i like that i like that reading better yeah yeah he's kind of lost a little bit because now he's having to face the reality of his failure yeah (laughs) and i think some part of his mind is trying to like bend reality or interpret reality in a way that he still he is still the center of the action he is still the driving force here it's still all about him yeah and I'll probably put some audio from this scene in here because I think it's really good. Like the music is just mm-hmm. chilling. Uh, the yeah. dialogue is so good because Kaz is like, "We gotta go," and Marcus like almost shoots his head off. Yeah. And like it, it zooms in with like this really good animation on the gun, and you see it like smoking from the shot that he just fired. Yeah. And he, he, Kaz is like, "Well, okay, I'm gonna leave now," and he drops the gun, and it looks like he's injured. Like, mm-hmm. maybe if this wasn't a kid show, like, you would see, like, you know, he'd be, like, bleeding from some huge injury on this mm. side or something like that. And he, his final words to Kaz are, like, tell him Captain Marcus knew how to die. Yeah. And Matthew Marcus, even. Kat, it's, like, the first time you hear his oh, first name, he's, like, tell him Matthew yes. Marcus knows how to die. Degrees left rudder. <coughs> All warheads armed. Captain! No! No, get away! Not without you, sir! Admiral's orders! Get get back! As as long as the Resolute can maneuver, <coughs> she she can still fight! But Captain! Ugh! Leave! Oh, this, this is still my branch, trooper! Go back and tell Winfield to watch! Tell him Matthew Marcus knew how to die. Sorry, Admiral, the captain wouldn't leave. He said something about watching. Hey!
You didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kaz leaves and he goes back to the lifeboat. And he, he said, he tells Winfield, he said, I couldn't get him. And he said for you to watch. And he's flying the Resolute into the middle of the two fleets. And, like, it has this, like, kind of translucent view of his face, which is the only the only thing you see on that face is insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very grim. I mean, it was also funny. Like, I was laughing really loud. <laughs> at the same time, my complex mix of emotions was that this is very tragic and sad and grim and scary but also kind of goofy and hilarious right so. yeah i mean i see you have written in your Maybe notes like you magnificent an bastard and it's like yeah kind of because you're like it, it's like you he's awful he's self-centered he's terrible he's got this messiah complex he sucks and you like hate him and you like this is like okay this is where you are this is where the folly of your narcissism has led you but at the same time you're also like man what when he's like matthew marcus knows how to die it's like damn dude like hell yeah like go go kill some neos yeah, that 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 manly that manly piece of me and like the yeah. like the depths of my brain is like wow, yeah. <laughs> like what a boss. Wish, yeah, <laughs> like I wish I could be that brave. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be here. I would have joined the pirates. All <laughs> <laughs> <know>, right. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, yeah, it is. It is kind of his like final redeeming move, right? Like it. It kind of redeems him a little bit that he manages to. I guess he destroys the entire resolute, but it's gonna just it's gonna be destroyed anyway. So well, and he's out a shipload of like near sapien. Yeah, and so we, you just touched on it. What happens next is he flies the resolute into the middle of these two near sapien fleets and like self destructs it or something, and mm. you see this gigantic explosion. And there's a few things about this, like thinking later on in the series, right? Well, first off, thinking earlier in the series, like. Did you did you always have the ability to just fly a ship into the middle of their fleet and make explosions like that? Because I feel like you could have won with that strategy, just some just just straight up burning boats. Like, yeah. I mean, it might just be the Resolute because it's like the biggest ship in the fleet by far, yeah. and all the rest of it. And uh, that, that's the only read that makes it kind of make sense. Is like maybe only the Resolute has enough firepower to do that. But like, also, if if he took out a significant portion of their fleet by doing that he probably helped the war effort tremendously even though he yeah. seems like he's also doomed everyone yeah i mean well because it's you know because of the events of season two where they basically get more fleet it becomes possible for them to like recover maybe faster than the neo sapiens do from this loss but yeah. if there aren't the events of season two he managed probably bone yeah absolutely um but, and, and that's the end of Marcus. Like Winfield watches the explosion and the the very few scraps of the Exo fleet that remain escape. Um, and uh, we go back to one final scene with Able Squad where Marsala and Alec are beginning this final mission, uh, or at least what they think might be their final mission. And they get into this test lab and they watch uh, a Neo Sapien like being constructed or born and the computer that's doing it because it's all automated says something like well they found uh, a fatal gene flaw in this specimen and so like we start to see like 
tied to the beginnings of the body horror that maybe that starts to take place in the series where you see that that body melted down into goo and recycled mm-hmm. and uh alec alec like they start to leave that room and marsala just fucking clocks alec which reminds me of this of this video i saw once like talking about the physics of marvel movies mm-hmm. and when captain america kicks someone and launches them across the room it like they would die instantly from that impact <laughs> right and and i'm just thinking like alex dead (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) because he launched him by his face (laughs) yeah like his brain should be jelly now yeah or at least his neck is broken (laughs) um but uh the some neo sapien guards come up and marsala says uh i've i've uncovered a terran plot to destroy this facility Take me to Phaeton. Tell him Marsala wants to see him now. Yeah. And yeah. like that's I think that's the last thing that he says in this episode. And it's the first time that you get a sense that Phaeton actually knows who Marsala is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some past history here. Yeah, I remember watching this the first time with Kayvon and being like, What? Oh my god, is Marsala a traitor all this time? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> like Right. Uh, so I guess we'll resolve that when we record our next episode. But yeah, that was a pretty, pretty hectic like twist moment at the end of the episode. Right, mm-hmm. which I think opens the door up for like more of like the what's the this show at its best, like next episode and all the tension of next episode, Marcella's betrayal. It's just I'm so excited to talk about it. it it's and also the series. Phenomenal. The series as a whole does a, the work to like you know up to this up until this part of the series you're like marsala is 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 conflicted but unshakably loyal yeah and but throughout this episode and the one before it you really see like you can start to see the cracks in that veneer yep and it it feels um natural and right for his betrayal right now Mm mm-hmm yeah it does it's like they definitely it's ah he's so well developed you know and it's it's stuff that you even miss like as a kid now coming back and watching as an adult just like seeing that development that set up but even as a kid i remember being like oh yeah i get why he's doing this Mm -hmm. you know it sucks i like this guy but like i get why he's doing it yeah um and that's that uh is as usual any anything you guys want to want to plug this week or make people aware of uh i don't know i've been in a uh hell hole of grading and work so i i'm barely aware of anything myself right now <laughs> everyone gets an a or everyone fails that's my method that's kind of yeah where i'm at it's <laughs> like whatever you all get a's i don't care i'll see you later i actually won't see you ever again goodbye <laughs> enjoy um the uh um i would I, say I, just really quickly actually uh your instagram hit a thousand followers that's something new. Kind of, no. wow yeah i'm just i'm cool like that you know i'm, in, I'm influencing <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're clearly you're, you're you're definitely the most famous person on this podcast <laughs> hands down <laughs> Uh, oh, thank man. you. I'll I'll take the compliments. <laughs> Not gonna read too much into 
having a thousand followers on Instagram, but I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who follows me. <laughs> Uh, not nothing new here. Just uh, yeah, working on the project, the aforementioned project, and it's moving forward. And that's that. Yeah, and nothing new here. Uh, I, 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 this will come out way later than the movie, but you know, if you haven't, go see Kong versus Godzilla. It's a good time. It rips. <laughs> uh, that director, so, Adam Wingard, too. It's nice to see him get like a like a huge budget for a film. Um, oh yeah, he's done yeah. some really I, wonderful stuff. I, I I actually looked looked up a little bit about him. He made he made some funny cartoons in the nineties, like in humanoids, just like things that things that no, didn't tend to last more than a season or so. But like, really, if you go back and watch some of them, you can see their DNA in this movie, mm. and uh, they're 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 good for a lark. I'll say that. I'll say that. Right on. Because yeah, I, we know him as a horror director, um, right. and like he makes like horror movies. That like really are like you can tell he's like a lifelong horror fan. He's making horror movies for fans of horror movies, um, and like right. his his entire catalog is phenomenal. Him and the producer he works with Simon Barrett, and then that's what Kong felt like was like. There's also someone who's a lifelong fan of monster movies making a monster movie for fans of monster movies. Right, because it it yeah. delivered on the monster mayhem and action. It's like some of the yeah. other, you know, Godzilla movies focus a little bit too much on the human drama and it's like i, I don't i don't really care about no. i really just want to and, see monsters fucking fight each other and, just, and smash I'm the city for, while they're at it yeah yeah i'm here for big monkey versus big lizard yes that's what i'm here for and it, it right. delivered on that front <laughs> i love I, I love millie bobby brown she's a great actress and everyone else in that movie is great yeah. but i'm here for big monkey <laughs> yeah 100 percent. absolutely yeah and it delivered well uh, on, on that note, uh, everyone stay safe out there. You know, stay indoors until you get your vaccine. And uh, remember that every person you pass by, if they got the best vaccine, only has to roll a one on a D20 for them to have their vaccine possibly not work. And if you rolled a one, too, you can still get it. So keep wearing your mask. Hooray! Someday we'll nice, be Nice D&D analogy. In that's, decades. That's uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> On that cheery note, thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Yep. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.